morning, everyone. You know, I'm thinking there's been a theme this morning that we need to carry through with, and that is the theme of our children. It seems like the Holy Spirit's been saying to several people several different times, our kids need prayer. I don't know what that means, but let's just take that to heart, not just what we did this morning, but let's just realize that maybe something is going on in the spiritual realm. So let's just continue throughout the week to pray uh, for the kids. Uh, my week was pretty good. I don't know how your week was. Uh, yesterday, I got to meet with representatives from Sat7. Sat7 was the first Arabic Christian satellite channel uh, in the world. Basically started beaming out this way back in 1997. And the whole idea was, could there be a documentary on the Christian churches in the United Arab Emirates. And they thought this was uh, an idea that they wanted to pursue. So they'll be sending a team out hopefully in January and then hopefully meeting with the government. I hope you saw that there's a new cabinet. We have a new minister of tolerance. Sheikh Nakhyan is the minister of tolerance now, so let's keep them in prayer. Uh, so these opportunities that are there. I also had a very eye-opening experience uh, this week. I was uh, leaving our building and the security guard was there, and I was just going to go to the store. So I said, hey, do you, do you want a Coke or a juice or something like that? He said, yeah, yeah, just bring me a juice. And so I came back, and I kind of gave him a juice, and then I went upstairs. The next day, I come down, and he just stops me. And he said, you know, I'm lonely. I miss my family. And you and your wife, are my family here. And the reason that was an eye-opening thing for me is we only say good morning on the way out and hello when we come in. That's it. I bought him juice once. <laughs> but I realized that's where the, the, my eyes being open of the people around us were simple acts of just smiling, recognizing that they exist, honoring them, Saying hello to them means everything. And so that's just, uh, I share that with you because it was a challenge for me. And I think you, you get it, that the impact that we can have in this world around us, even in those little simple things. Well, as we continue in our time in Colossians, God's got some heavy stuff for us today in terms of warnings. We finished up last week, and in chapter 2, verse 4, Paul was saying this to this brand-new baby church. He said, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. There were people starting to come into the fellowship. Paul probably heard this from Epaphras, who was there visiting with him about what was going on inside. And so Paul is giving back this warning to them. Don't be deceived. These guys will come in with plausible arguments, well-thought-out arguments, half-truths, and if possible, lead you astray. And he commends them. 
He's, he's rejoicing in the good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That's, they're not there yet, but he's giving them this warning. And actually, for these next verses that we're going to look at, he goes deep into the warning. And he actually gives them some commands. He says, don't let anyone take you captive. Wow. He says, don't let anyone judge you. He says, don't let anyone disqualify you. This morning we're going to look at, don't let anyone take you captive. But it is an incredible reminder that we are in a spiritual battle. That there is an enemy, and he is out to destroy us, destroy your marriage, destroy your children, destroy this church, destroy the people of God. And it's not happening just outside there. Paul is talking about inside the walls of the church. So I did a little looking in the New Testament. How prominent is this? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. The Apostle Paul, on his travels, had a chance to speak with the leaders at Ephesus. And in Acts 20, verse 28, listen what he says to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. The Apostle Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Remember, he's talking to the church who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And finally, Jude, the brother of James, in Jude in verse 3, 
Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You guys, you know what I found in the New Testament? This is common. We need to be people who are alert. We need to be people who will be contending for the faith. And in our day, it's even much more broader because we also have books that we can read. We also have the internet that can come into our homes. We have the television that can come in and any teacher from anywhere in the world, we can have access to it. But who are they? What are they sharing? Because starting with Jesus and through these apostles we've listened to, they said there are going to be people whose specific goal is to sneak in and destroy. And we know that we have an enemy who wants to see that happen. So let's review what we learned in chapter 1. Let's go to our chart because it's important for us that we get this down really well. The reason that I want us to be reading Colossians every day is because we can't mess up on this stuff. Because if we don't know what the truth is, when somebody comes in with a half-truth, they can deceive us. And so this truth that was given to us that's just diagrammed in this chart. These are the points where false teachers will come in and try to twist. We know that there is this realm, this dominion of darkness, where people are bound and chained. That is where all of us came from. And it was only through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Christ, He's the image of God, the creator, the beginning, the firstborn, the head of the church, foundational truths. It was through his death on the cross and through his blood our salvation is accomplished. I know we repeat that a lot. In the early days of the church, they would go in and plant a church on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ on the sacrificial death and people would come in months later and say yes Jesus died for us and if you want to be saved you must be circumcised it is Jesus and something else and as soon as you add the something else you have missed the whole point because it is solely all about Jesus and what 
he did on the cross. And so we see that through his death, he transfers us to the kingdom of light. He delivers us. He redeems us, forgives us, qualifies us, and he reconciles us with the Father. That is who he is and what he did. And so our state today as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, is when he looks at us, we are holy, blameless, above reproach because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the points that people will come and try to twist. As we live in the kingdom of light, what is Satan's strategy against us? He wants us to get sidetracked from those truths. He would like to drag us back into chains and darkness. There's a very good book by Neil Anderson, and it's called Victory Over Darkness. And I love just the cover of the book because it just has a man walking and he's starting out in darkness and he has this journey and he comes to the light. But listen to what he says about us as Christians in the kingdom of light. As far as the devil is concerned, the next best thing to keeping you chained in spiritual darkness or having you live as an emotional wreck is confusing your belief system. He lost you in the eternal sense when you became a child of God. But if he can muddy your mind and weaken your faith with partial truths, he can neutralize your effectiveness for God and stunt your growth as a Christian. That's the battle. That is the battle that we are in. So now let's see what Paul has to say as he continues teaching these new believers in Colossians. So we start in verse 6 of chapter 2. Therefore, referring back now to all that we've learned about who Jesus is, what he's done, who Paul is, what he has done in line with Jesus. Therefore, since you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And I love the way that Paul at this point uses the full title of Jesus. He's the Christ, the Messiah. He is the Lord, and he is Jesus, the Son of Man. And he says, you have received him, past tense. These are people who have taken on the good news, the gospel, they have recognized they were in the darkness because of their sin. And they've repented of that. And they have believed on Christ for his atoning work on the cross. And they went through baptism, which showed their death and how they were raised to life in Christ in a public ceremony. And they were receiving the spirit of the living God. All this we saw. 
And Paul is saying, you, you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So what is the result of that? Moving from the darkness to light. Walk in him. Actually, in the original, the word order has changed. The emphasis is in him. In Jesus. In the Christ, the Messiah. In him. Every minute of every day, present tense, walk. He goes on, verse 7, and I love the pictures that he has here, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Isn't that a wonderful picture when you think of this like a huge tree and the roots have just gone down deep and the roots are strong. That's us as we are rooted into Jesus and our nourishment and our existence comes through him. How we are built up in him, how Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. He is that foundation and everything in our lives gets built up off of that foundation. We become established in the faith when we take these truths and they go from here and they go to here and they're combined in our lives. And of course, that produces thanksgiving. There is that joy, there is that peace to know that if we pass away tonight, we're going to be with Jesus. And that no matter what storm life will throw at us, Jesus is beside us. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That's the joy that we can have in this life. And so then in verse 8, we come to the command. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul, making this distinction about the things that the world can throw at us, all these philosophies, or all of these human traditions, many of which can sound good, but when you compare it over here to the rock, to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the measuring stick. And we stay focused on who Jesus is. But the command is, don't let anyone take you captive. That word captive is almost like a military term. Think of a group of soldiers. They go in, they destroy a village, and they take the survivors captive in chains back to their city. And they totally dominate and totally control them. That's the image he gives us. Those false doctrines that can come in literally can take you and me captive. And it's like they're binding us. It's putting us back into a darkness. And Paul is saying, don't allow that to happen. You will do that by knowing what that truth is. But we all know we can look around and we can see people that are so bound in works. 
trying to work their way to heaven, trying to be good enough. Person. Christ has done that for us. And he goes on in verse 12 about baptism, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, what a picture for us. That's what baptism is all about. When we go down under the water, it's like we're being buried under the ground. And we're dying to ourselves. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. And we come up out of that water, and it is into that kingdom of light where the Lord Jesus Christ is the one in control of everything we do and say and think. When Teresa and I first came uh, to Dubai back in 1992, they were still talking about the revival that took place amongst the soldiers that had come through for the first Gulf War around 1991. Many military ships were parked out in Jebel Ali, and there were literally just dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of people getting saved. Young men, young women going to battle, not knowing if they would go home again, all of a sudden started asking the hard questions. What is life all about? Am I ready to face God? And they're getting saved. And when the time came for them to baptize, you know, where did they go to get water? You know what they did? They got the coffins from the ship that they brought along to send the bodies back. And they put it up on the deck and they filled it with water. And that's where they were baptized. In a coffin. Which actually is a perfect picture of what it means for us to die. And to be raised up and then to live in the fullness of all that God has for us. Verse 13, and you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. We were dead. You know, we've talked about this dominion of darkness, but let's call it for what it is. It's death. Because everything happening over there is unpleasing to God. It is sin. And the wages of sin is death. There's no out. There's no forgiveness from a, a holy and just God. That's where we were. Dead. But God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. That's a pretty encouraging verse. When we move from darkness to light, from death to life, it says that he forgives how much of our sin? 50%? 70%? <laughs> All, all of our trespasses. And then he goes on in verse 14. He says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Can we put that in a picture? That, brothers, that is like you. You're standing in front of Almighty God, and there is the list of the things of your life. All of the rubbish, all of the sin, everything that you've ever done. And we have an enemy. The enemy is Satan. And Satan knows that God is holy and just and he must punish sin. And so Satan is the accuser. And he would be the one that would go down the list and say, look at what Kevin has done. He's done this and this and this. Kevin is mine. And that's when Jesus says, no, that list was nailed to my cross and was covered by my blood. Kevin belongs to me. We see this in in Revelation. We get this clear picture. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. They've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. You know, if we go back and we just take a look at our chart, we have a few things that we add to these truths that we've been accumulating as Paul has revealed these for us. We realize that that dominion of darkness is really death. The kingdom of light is really life. And we see that that Christ, the fullness of deity was in him. He is over all rule and authority. We see that he canceled sin and he disarmed the rulers and the authorities. We see that in verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I love this picture because this picture of what Christ did is really mirroring what Satan had hoped to do to Jesus. Because it says that he, was, he disarmed the rulers. That word disarmed literally means to strip. And that's what they did to Jesus. They stripped him of his clothes. And then they put him up and they hung him on a cross, which was a a way of execution that carried the most disgrace and shame. And when the final breath came and the demonic forces were just feeling like the triumph was theirs, And then the earth shook. And then in the temple, 
that curtain that divided the holy of holies from mankind was split right down the middle from the top down. And God is saying, through the death of Jesus, people can enter into that relationship with me again. And rather than Satan stripping Christ, putting him to shame, triumphing home, no, no, no. Jesus did that. He has disarmed the, the principalities and powers of any of their power. And he has put them up to shame. He has triumphed over them. Brothers and sisters, that's why today, when you and I are in the kingdom of light, we can have complete victory over Satan. But here's the thing. God has given us the way. He's given us the truth. He's given us the power. He's given us the authority if we will use it. Peter explains that point really, really well. Let me just read this to you in closing. As we are in this kingdom of light, and as we are thinking about not wanting to be taken captive, not wanting to be deceived, but to actually go forward in our walk with Christ, listen to what he says. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire for this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Father God, we thank you for these words that you have given to us. And Father, we, we want to just take these truths of the good news of the gospel. And Father, just from, from the bottom of our heart together, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you have saved us. Thank you you've forgiven us. And Father God, our desire is to walk in Christ. And Father God, we would ask that you would help us, that you would help us to, to see deception, help us to see untruth and partial truths. But Lord, may we have a passion for you, a desire for you. May we run after you. May we love you with all of our heart, 
mind, soul, and strength. You are our God. And we worship you and we praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.